You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Do you remember those halcyon days back in January, when every ray of sunshine felt like a warm hug from a celestial being? Skiing, climbing, we yearned for its caress. But now that it's dead summer, the tables have turned. The sun now stalks us like an enormous toddler with a magnifying glass. The burning orb, the Death Star, call it what you will. Just don't be caught out at noon on some edgy crimp fest lest your feet swell and your tips shred. But Black Diamond has a way to fight back. My favorite piece of BD apparel, the Alpenglow hoodie. Built with UPF sun protection, pits for movement, a hood designed to go under your helmet, and even some sort of odor control next-gen tech to help with that sour fear stink we all work up on the NAR. Or is that just me? Is that a thing with everyone, the, the stinky pits after being scared? But frankly, if you aren't basically living in a sun hoodie during the summer months, you may in fact be an iguana. But at least now, your tongue can go from 0 to 60 in 1 one-hundredth of a second. Don't just feel the burn, fight the burn. And check out the Alpenglow hoodie and all the great gear at BlackDiamondEquipment.com or your favorite local shop that really, really wants your face-covered business right now. Look, folks. You've been hitting that hangboard like a swole gibbon, doing repeaters until your veins twist into ridiculous words like venga. Your homemade wall is splintered and worn with your thrice daily prostations. But what if, just maybe, power, endurance, and power endurance, whatever that is, isn't actually what's holding you back. In fact, it's your lousy footwork after all. That's where Sportiva comes in. Sportiva has the best line of climbing shoes in the world for when you stop hanging around and actually have to climb something. From legends like the Mira and Squama to new standards like the Solution Cop. And don't forget the TC Pro, the only shoe to free solo L cap. Remember that? So when the hangboard is once again cobwebbed over or just that place you stash your one hitter, do what you've always done and stand on your feet with Sportiva. Check it all out at Sportiva.com or as soon as your local shop is open and ready for your business, rush right down there and give them some money. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place that side of town. That's a big place. You sold it out. I'll see. really should... Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Good weather. Bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, with support from Maxim Ropes. And the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Uh, how do I start the show? Um, 
there's music usually. Yep. Yeah, there's music. And then, hello and welcome. Oh, there it is. I, I remember now. See, it's been so long since January since I actually didn't interview. It's a long time. that. <laughs> hello and welcome to the Enorma Cast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is June, no, July 6th. July 6th, two days after the 4th, uh, still getting fireworks in the neighborhood. I don't know about you guys, but um, this is episode, will be episode 201 of the Enormous Cast. 201. Yeah. Just, Excellent. Just uh, just passed into the, you know, into the meaningless 200s, I guess. Uh, on today's show, I have a couple guests, which I'll introduce in a moment, and this is the long-awaited lost listener mail episode. Long awaited because I asked for listener mail ep- uh, submissions way back in November. The deadline was sometime in December. And uh, what I did was I asked for submissions in return for some swag. I would send people swag, hmm. which I thought was like a good idea to get some submissions. But, uh, you know, the fact that people actually listen to this podcast, even to this day, even after all these years, I know my statistics, but it's kind of like you know, just numbers that don't seem to mean anything until I get hundreds of listener mail submissions, mm. which was overwhelming. And that led to me shutting down a little bit <laughs> <laughs> in terms of like, I don't know what to do with all these listener mails. So that was like the first three months of what happened to listener mail. And then COVID-19 happened. And mm. then now we're, we're sort of uh, we're actually at a climbing gym. We're at the Monkey House in Carbondale, Colorado, whoop, whoop. which is open. And so we've got a nice big space to do this in. So I think we're, we're being relatively uh, etiquette savvy to to what's going on. Um, and I want to thank Fabrizio Zangrelli for letting us use the space. And uh, the Monkey House is open if you're in Carbondale, Colorado or in the Roaring Fork Valley. They are open uh, to climbing. So please come down and support Fabrizio and Leah and the crew here at Monkey House because they need your support as all climbing gyms do. They're hanging on by a shoestring. Ditto that. Only yeah. support your local gym. Yeah. So sure. Thanks oh, yeah. for those guys. And yeah. So here we are. Finally, I finally got the. I, I I was getting the emails and I was reading them and then I was basically getting so many that I was just like instantly piling them into a special folder and then I didn't want to open the special folder and I have a real problem with email but the special folder where these were was a frightening prospect so I finally opened it I've sifted through them uh, a little bit randomly so if if we ask a question that's so much worse than the question you sent dear listener (laughs) and you're like what that question sucks I had a way better question or it's the same question you had but I chose theirs and not yours it's nothing like I just didn't I just is completely I you know I dipped my toe in there and I tried to read them all and I tried to organize them and then I just said I gotta go because we're only gonna get to a few and maybe we'll do another episode because there's so many and there's so many good questions so but please don't don't get on my case if I didn't pick your question I picked somebody else's that wasn't uh, you didn't think was as good as your question PAS question (laughs) yeah I I did not put any pause questions in. We've covered I don't, that I don't ad know. nauseum. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I didn't <laughs> anyway, my guests, my guest panelists are return guest, Mary Harlan. Episode 145. 
<laughs> Episode 145, a local <laughs> climber guide. You guided today, did you not? I did in yeah. Rifle, Colorado. Yes. Hmm. Um, so quite a deep resume. I would say you dabble in all the disciplines. I attempt to. <laughs> yes. Uh, rock climbing, rope climbing, a little bit of bouldering, trad, sport climbing. You've guided big snowy things. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. I have guided on Denali. Oh, excellent. That's big and snowy. <laughs> it was really fun. Okay. <laughs> kind so, of a party up there. So yeah, you're yeah. An, you're like a legit act, uh like certified guide. I am legit. I'm not certified in all the disciplines, okay. but I am legit. Right, right. And I have AMGA training. Sure. Okay. I'm good. So that's who, who's who's in my uh in the left corner, if you will. <laughs> and to my right is uh a sort of a, a more recent transplant to the Roaring Fork Valley. Uh, Francis Senzero, who works at Rock and Ice Magazine, is you've got one, an, an associate. Are you an associate editor? Is that a or a? I uh, yeah, so I'm now the uh, editor in chief of Rock and Ice. Okay. You're the Jim Climber and Ascent. Okay. Oh, we oh, man that Ascent. Ascent. That's that Ascent. Such a fun one. Well, not just the recent one, but the whole thing, the whole Ascent, the reemergence of Ascent. Yeah. Um, I think it's been a really great thing that yeah. you guys have It's done. such a cool mag. Like, started in, like, the late 60s in California, like, the height of the political, you know, upheaval at the time. And wow. the, if you look at those old issues, they're super cool and artsy and funky. And, yeah, I am super stoked to be able to put that together every year with, like, Rock and Ice and work with those great writers. It's was it, fantastic. Wasn't Steve Roper involved in their uh, Yeah, I believe it was yeah. Alan Steck and Steve Roper, right. who were the two original, the like, 50, founders. The 50 yeah. Classics guys. Oh, Classics. Yeah, yeah, these guys are, yeah, they know they're Like, doing. this is historical knowledge right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ascent is a great, it's one of the finest examples of, like, early climbing literature, just experimental and and, and badass. Yeah. So that's right. So here we are. Um, so you've got some experience. You're you're uh, again um, a rock climber. Is that right? An ice climber as well. Did yeah. You ever climb big snowy mountains? You know that's probably that's where I'm weakest. Yeah. I I stick to like the more technical rock climbing, just like you tried climbing, right. sport climbing, bouldering, ice and alpine. But yeah, the big stuff is something I just I can't say that I've had a ton of. Experience, okay. especially the greater ranges. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we're, I don't actually have a lot of snow it's, questions. I was just curious. All, that's it, Mary. You know, yeah. honestly, climbing big snowy peaks is extreme walking. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the, the format is, is that I have, I mean, I have pages and pages of questions and um, I'm going to shoot some questions and we'll just, uh, you know, discuss. Uh, these guys are going to, they're pretending like they're going to take notes. I think that's going to last like three minutes uh, at the most. Put on a but, good uh, but, you know, really cool. Oh, and these are sight unseen by my guests, panelists. Yes. Um, because mostly because I actually just got them together about a couple hours ago. And then I left them at home. I had to go get them. So, but they, they, they opted to go to wing it. Dude, gunslinging is the yeah. best. We're you gunslinging. Know? That's, how, that's how we're rolling. Okay. And we're going to try to stay off of current events. Just so you know, this time around. In the PAS. In the pa- pause. The, you know what I love about the PAS, <laughs> among other things? Which, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a personal... Uh, what, a personal, personal anchor system. Okay, I was yeah. about to say attachment system. But it sounds so close to POS that it's like, mm. it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to go there. We're not going there. Okay. Mary wants to, though. PAS. Right. 
I'm gonna t- I'm gonna ask some questions that are a little bit uh, geared towards talking about you guys as climbers to get a little feel for who you are, okay. even though they were apparently addressed to me in a way. But we can we can sort of expand up all of our experience. Uh, a, a quickie here: gate in or out? What do you do on your dr- quick draws? Gate in. Okay, I, I recently yeah. had to come to Jesus okay. about this, okay? okay. I'll, so okay. I'll, I'll, well, this I thought is, this was going to be quick. All th- right. this, so is, this is what happens on the listener mail. So this is fresh for me. Is it, is it, is it like every every <laughs> question becomes like 20 minutes, but go ahead. This is a big one, okay. Chris. You've, you've, you've nailed it right off the bat here. This is, you've gone right to the heart, you know? And so, so for me, I've always been gates in my whole life. And I've been like adamantly gates in. And I don't know why, but I recently like was... Um, you know, like I was clipping in my shirt, like on this, uh, on this big climb. Right. And I was like, you know, what in the F like it's giving me all this trouble. And I remember this debate I was having with someone. They're like, Oh yeah. Like for sure. Gates out because you know, when you reclip the piece, you can pull on it with the gates out and you know, it's, you know, it's secure. Right. Cause if you go gates in and you throw it on the bat, throw it on there, you're not really sure it's on there all the time unless you get that mm. downward pull, right. but the upward pull is really good. So I'm going to be quick and I'm going to say, gates out because you can get that inverted clip with the tug bada boom okay <clears throat> i have always been a gates out girl okay oh okay that's uh, that's uh, two i I'm gates in oh chris give us the argument give yeah. i don't have one it's just we'll the way I've done it. no matter what <laughs> i've just done it that way since the beginning and gates why would in. i change trad and sport same thing yeah always whatever. gates in Okay. Always gates in. okay now wait actually i do have one extra added comment here and that is I'm gates out when the carabiner is on my harness, but if I have a sling with gear, it's gates in. Mm, like a shoulder? Or yeah, like, like if I have yeah. a shoulder sling on and I generally carry my quick draws or extendable draws on a sling when I'm trad climbing. Mm, gates okay. in, gates out on the harness, out on the harness, in on the sling. Boss. Okay. That was from Jeremy in Australia. Got got listeners down nice, in, uh, down under. Uh, here, here's a question. I'm going to sort of... I, some of these I'll, I'll, uh, I'll paraphrase. Other ones I'll read. But are there any safety issues you want to give a shout out to on the EnormaCast that have not gotten the same attention in previous episodes? So one thing I... You know, I have my check your knots <clears throat> thing at the end mm-hmm. and... You know, we've talked quite a bit about repelling in this last year because of the simul repelling thing mm-hmm. that um, got all out there. But uh, but yeah, what, what about you guys? What do you think uh, are like, you know, something that you hit with whoever you're climbing with or with beginners? Like, what is a quick thing that's like your personal, like this has to happen for me to be comfortable climbing with you? Um, I think probably the number one thing that I think about when I think of safety with a newer partner would be communication around how I am either giving them a lead belay or how they're lead belaying me. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I see frequently is complacency in the lead belay, meaning like tons of slack is out. The person standing, you know, further away from the, the cliff than I would like them to. And then even going so far as to like, I like to be lowered slowly. I don't want to be lowered really quickly. It makes me feel like I'm going to hit the ground. That's a preview of a <laughs> taps issue. You know, the infamous taps, <laughs> taps episodes. Yes. Yeah. Lowering quickly is out. Not cool. Not cool. No. All right. Um, okay. So in terms of like checks, 
I would say the biggest thing you need to check is your ego. Mm. And here's what I mean. is like I go out with climbers and like I've been climbing for, I don't know, like 27 years. And like I go out with guys that have been climbing 30, 40 years and I will always check their knot. Mm. And, I'll, and I'll look at it and I'll be like, and I'll pull it, you know, and I'll mm. like check the blazes. Like I'm not really okay with just like going up there and like people just being too cool to like mm-hmm. be like, hey man, how's the blay? Because, you know, like at Rock and Ice, um, I write our accident report. And mm-hmm. for every accident that we publish, we probably, I probably research like 10. So I'm, I'm really reading about death a lot. And it's disturbing to see. And, and this goes to Mary's point about complacency. Mm-hmm. It's disturbing to see how many people would have, would like avoid a really unnecessary accident by just like having their partner check something, mm-hmm. double check. And so check your ego. It's not about, you know, I've been doing this too long. I'm too cool to like look at my partner's not like get over it, man. Like even when you're tired, it's dark. You're on a route. Like that's especially when you need to check stuff and not rush through things. So I'm a huge fan of that. I still do that with all my partners, mm-hmm. whether beginners or been climbing a while. So, you know, I, I started that check your not thing. I kind of like a lot of things in the enormous cast. It, it became a little bit of a call card at the end. You know, everybody has a sign off or whatever, but it's honestly it's not something I was quite as adamant about as I am since I started the, it's almost like I now feel like, well, if someone ever sees me not check my partner's not, I'm going to get in trouble. So the funny thing is, is me saying that all the time has actually made me way better at it. And I get cop, you know, I climb with a lot of guys that are like me or girls that are like me that are, you know, well into their climbing career, have families, have, you know, reasons to go home in one piece more yeah. so and yep. i get compliments from their spouses and boyfriends and girlfriends that mm-hmm. that they're like we really like them climbing with you because we know they're like you're dealing with this stuff so mm-hmm. yep. that's a little different than the answer to the question but i've mentioned this on the podcast before but one of the big things that i've realized and you could probably back this up with this accident report thing is it's and it's a like a kind of a broad one but it's like pay attention because aside from like just the screwing up, like not tie or not, but that's mm-hmm. an attention thing too. Like I always say that tragedy is like stalking you mm-hmm. at all times. And it's so many times when it's, when I've screwed up, it's just this weird lapse of attention. And I was honestly spaced out mm-hmm. or I wasn't in the moment or I wasn't thinking. And like, even on big climbs, when you hear yeah. about these big tragedies, yeah. it a lot of times comes down to just somebody didn't pay attention at that mm-hmm. at that second. And so, you know, it's like we go out into the climbing world to kind of forget about our worries a lot mm-hmm. of times. And it's like you kind of almost have to make sure and like do that consciously to be like, I can't be thinking about work right now. There's you know? no way. If I have something going on in my life that's <laughs> extraneous from that day of climbing, it's like... I'm going to be top roping. Yeah, no, that's right. For sure. You're having like a real stressful day. You're exhausted. Like I you got to you gotta know that you need to watch yeah, yourself really carefully. I got to reel it out. Because sure. Chris is right. Like the Grim Reaper's there all the time with rock climbing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't know that, then you haven't really like, no, you don't really know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Because it can be just like a sunny day. Everybody's top roping. It's all <laughs> just like chill and then bam. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've all been there where there's been an accident around us if we haven't ourselves been in one. And it's just like the the gut punch of hearing something go wrong and hearing the clatter and stuff. And you're just like, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, it's just it's like it, actually I just kind of got like a little choked up even saying that because you're just like, Fuck. yeah. So it's, anyway, pay attention. Yep. 
Don't be, uh, you know, too cool for school and check your stuff and Mm. tighten up your damn lead bling. It's the most important thing you're doing out there. And the communication (laughs) around all of it. I mean, I think that's really the big take home message is like communicate with your partner, see what they're doing when they're putting you on belay, look and check each other and talk about it. Cause that's the one thing I'm like. If I if I ever meet somebody even and I'm climbing with them for the first time and they're acting like the communication piece is too much, then I'm like, I don't want to climb with this person if they can't communicate about the most simple thing and the basic safety thing that's going to keep me alive. So this is from Andrew in Alberta, of course, in the Canadian Rockies where suffering is an art. Yeah. Um, I want to hear about the climb you did that involved the most suffering but still ended in success. So this is, again, off the top of our heads because these, these folks didn't see the, uh, the questions ahead of time. So w- what, what jumps to mind, Mary? You seem to have <laughs> something on the tip of your tongue. Um, well, actually, Chris, uh, I feel like I have a lot of <laughs> suffering well, We only have you know, examples. a certain amount of time. However... <laughs> Once upon a time. (laughs) However, um, I'm going to say that I did a route in the Black Canyon. Of course. Yeah. I knew this was going to go Black Canyon. (laughs) It is. I feel like I suffer the most in the Black Canyon. I feel like the Black Canyon is the place to test your suffering meter. (laughs) Um, So... Um, eighth voyage of Sinbad was the route that I did in the Black Canyon. Um, I actually, after the first time I did it, where we had to bail about a thousand feet off the ground and rappel in the dark off of whatever gear we could find, and then hike out the poison ivy infested steep loose rock gully back to the top. And that was about a 2000 foot jaunt up to the top the walk of shame the walk of shame as they call it v0 actually is what it's (laughs) rated (laughs) i came back the next weekend partly to retrieve the gear because i wanted my gear back which i did get all of it except for a three and a half cam and completed the route and it was hot as balls it was again, poison ivy infested all the way down. And I am very allergic to poison ivy. Like we're talking all summer. I will have it once I get it. Huge welts, pussing. Beautiful. I mean, (laughs) I puss out of multiple areas. It is gnarly. And um, when it's hot as balls in the Black Canyon and you're totally dehydrated, the last thing you want to do on the second to last pitch is drop your climbing shoe. So of course, I dropped my climbing shoe on the second to last pitch of doing this. It We were going on like 16 hours. I think we finished at maybe three o'clock in the morning or something. And when I dropped my shoe, I was so pissed that I threw the other fucking climbing shoe off the route. <laughs> did you have your pro shoes with yes, you? Yes, I okay. did. I did. But I was a little upset at that moment Threw the other climbing shoe off. And there was this moment of like, maybe we should simul climb. And I somehow got the rope wasn't coiled 
properly for the simul climb and I somehow got the rope like caught around my neck Ooh. in a weird way. Oh. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Sweet. And was like, <clears throat> stop pulling. <laughs> stop. Yeah. It was the Dukes. It was the Dukes. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> so I I mean we finished like 16 or 17 hours later. It was Leonard Coyne that I con- I contacted to get information from about the route and one of his comments uh, and Jim Nigro too. Both of whom commented although Leonard gave me a really nice list of things, but one of the things in his list which was congruent with what Jim Nigro told me was we were on a lot of drugs and we didn't really know (laughs) what we were doing or where we were going. And so going into the route then for the second time with that information really actually was helpful. It made more sense. I was like, yeah, this is a route that seems like somebody might have been (laughs) on drugs doing. (laughs) That's good. That's that. Nice. <laughs> you got anything, Francisco? Um. Okay. So, all right. I was thinking. I've had some time to think about this okay. since marriage. Been sorry. No, no. It's been great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I had a couple options. Uh, so I'll, I'll go rock on suffering and not not the cold stuff. Mm. And I think for me, one of the things that was like, I guess, suffering in in like the sense of being really painful and regrettable but having a good outcome was probably i was like 14 and just learning a rock climb and i took this trip to colorado and um one of our older friends had taken us up the yellow spur Mm. and he put me on the sharp end and and mind you i had like almost never been on lead ever okay so of course we get to the cliff and i forgot my harness you know and they're like oh yeah just like you know string up some tube webbing so i strung up some tube webbing you know around my waist and i had like sweatpants and like a no fear shirt you know and was totally crushing it in like august right feeling oh. feeling the part and um i remember just getting off route and uh, i forget what pitch it was it, might, it was high, maybe like four or five or something like that i got off route and my harness falls to my feet with all my gear and i'm on lead and i just remember like oh. panicking and i had like the longest five minutes of my life and everyone's yelling up at me and i'm all fruit i don't know what i'm doing we don't have a topo and i just remember like thinking wow like if i make it through this i'm either gonna quit climbing or keep climbing oh my God. and i kept climbing but to me i guess it had a happy ending because i didn't die but like suffering was condensed in that moment you know like a big mountain was right. in was in that moment any times relative and it sure was and uh I always wanted to write more about that story because it was really impactful and like That's me. That's a great story. But it's a true story. It's crazy. <laughs> it actually had like I, I I'm looking down at my ankles and I don't know if you know like how to put my I don't put I know how to put my harness back together. Like it's right. just like a flop of webbing loops around my ankle. <laughs> I'm trying to pull here. it up. I don't know what I'm doing and like I don't know what I'm doing. And the gear is like around my shoulder. I mean, this is all far. I'm like 13, 13 yeah. and a half, 14. Yeah. So just another. God. version of like learning to rock climb by like almost dying yeah over over again. well yeah. i mean isn't I, that it's like we get that so much on the show isn't that yeah. the that's yeah. like the again like maybe the real thing is like <clears throat> i mean the, the suffering but making it through it because at the end of the day you look back and you're like yeah 
I'm going to go rock climbing again. Yeah, like, sure. I'll just, sure. Like, you know, grow you some almost, hips. <laughs> you almost forget about the suffering, though, like the instant right. oh, yeah. that the thing is over yeah. and you have the beer in your hand. That's so. true. That's that's a great thing. About well, short you're, you might have had a Coke in your hand or something at that age. <laughs> Not the beer, but yeah. Yeah, I know. No, I know. You were like, yeah, that was cool. I did it. No, it's totally true. Yeah, you got it. We all have those stories, like Chris said. We all have those stories. And I think it's a climber's rite of passage. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Well, mine, I'm going to go with, uh, I don't talk a lot about snowy climbing on my own life, but I actually had a a period of snowy climbing in my Hmm. life. And uh, I thought I was going to go on to the great ranges. Hmm. uh, And I spent uh, a little less than a year in New Zealand and climbed uh, the requisite mountains there that you climb as a aspiring snowy climber including mount aspiring but uh i climbed mount cook mm. oh nice and um this was i climbed the linda glacier no we climbed zerbriggan's ridge which is like a kind of pretty easy ish route for that mountain but not the easiest um but i'll i'll keep this short we got completely destroyed by the weather the classic oh. like mount cook is famous for fast moving storms it's clear, it starts to snow, and then an hour later, it's just like wrecking you. Um, I was 20, I think, at the time. Um, I literally was climbing it with a Jansport pack on. <laughs> yeah, Jansport. Classic. Yeah. I just, it, wool, a lot of wool. I had a Joe Brown helmet, um, straight shaft X-15s, which were actually state-of-the-art at the at the time. But uh, we got like... We started rappelling. We, we, had a, we had a like bivy in a, in a Bergschrend and like... Got both of us got into the uh, getting into the same sleeping bag. We had a stove, heated some water, and in, in like we were in there for a long time overnight. And like the next day was a complete and utter whiteout. Oh. And we had to wander down the Linda Glacier, which is the the kind of up and down easiest route. And uh, in the complete whiteout, just like just wandering without being able to see our hand in front of our face, and oh. like. Just jumping off these little ice cliffs with like a, a kind of controlled belay and stuff and like landing in these big puffs of snow. And finally, I was like in this trench, like kind of just sit. I, my goggles blew off. I didn't have any goggles. So it's just like horrendous, like ice in my eyes. And I'm like, and I kind of start to see my shadow. Like I'm looking down, and I kind of see my shadow. And literally, again, within five minutes, it just rips out of there and it's bluebird. No. And we were like in the middle of the Linda Glacier, which we had kind of, it was like one of those trough glaciers. So we would like, mm. if we started to go up, we'd like mm-hmm. pinball back mm-hmm. to the middle mm-hmm. and then we'd start to go up the other side. We'd sort of pinball back. Mm-hmm. We get around and we can see the hut now, a plateau hut. And uh, we see somebody skiing towards us and we kind of wandered down and it's this guy um, named Gottlieb von Braun. Got- Shit, I can't remember it. Braun Elward or something like that. That's Gottlieb. A, that's he's a great a German name. guy. He's passed so away. Way. He's passed away since, yeah. but uh uh and I don't believe in the mountains, but a uh, German guy that was like lived there forever and he hmm. was the man. And he came out and he brought us some some chocolate oh. and some tea and then kind of helped us get back down. But oh. the but the part of the story was there was these other guys on the mountain that were stuck. And while, when we got back to the hut, that was about the time the helicopter showed up to go get those guys, mm. slung them off the ridge, brought them down, packed them up and, and took them off in the helicopter. One of them just had hurt his knee, had fallen and hurt his knee and um, not serious, but uh, we were standing there and Gottlieb 
doesn't look at us. He's watching the helicopter go and he says, it is better to rescue yourself. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice Gottlieb. Yeah, I was like, solid. It's like, and it was like, he wasn't looking at us, but we were like, he just said that to us. Cause guess what? We rescued ourselves. So anyway, the success part is we came back like a couple weeks later and climbed it without incident. So there you go. And then later that year, the top fell off. Oh, well. So, so, so you did it before it broke. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's my success suffering story. Um, although the funny thing Excellent. is, is that since I was 20, I, I don't think I felt like I was suffering. I was just like, this is mountaineering. I must like, yeah. yeah. You know, like if that same thing happened to me tomorrow, I would just be like the biggest baby in the whole entire (laughs) world. You know, I'd just be like, we're going to die. Like, shut up, Kalus. No, we're going to die. I'd be like, dude, it's extreme walking. Chris is drinking his urine in like 12 hours. (laughs) Like, must do it now. Like, dude, we have water. What are you doing? (laughs) We've got water until you have snacks. right here. Look, I got a seven up. You want that? No, I'm drinking my pee. Must do it. Uh, okay. All right. Maybe we should get to some of the questions. Um, that's some good stories, though. Okay. So this is kind of a funny one. Uh, what do more... Oh, this comes from Chris in Washington. What do more experienced climbers wish newbies like me understood so we could better assimilate to the climbing scene at the crag? Oh. To put it another way, what am I currently doing at the Craig that will horrify me five years from now when I look I back you. at what a noob I used to be? I got two. Wow. <laughs> well, let me preface before we answer because I have some answers. But at the same time, my instinct was like, fucking just do whatever you want to do. Like be sure. the goob yeah, and yeah. be the newbie. It's like as long as you're being safe, like fine, you know, jack your pause between your legs whatever you got to do you know so part of me is just like go for it just be safe you'll learn it somehow but um but then again i have some ideas so uh would anyone mm. like to start we're gonna appear really judgmental in this but that's okay that's part Chris of the is we're up. gonna be judgy a little bit yeah all right i'll say i'll say or asked he asked he did okay. yeah he chris asked from chris, chris from washington asked yes yeah um okay so i'll i'll say one that I don't like mm-hmm. is when people try to like feel you out for like one upsmanship. Like, what are you getting on? Oh, mm-hmm. I did that. Right. Like, you know, Oh, you're on that. Oh, I did that. Like last mm-hmm. year was my project or like, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's lame, you mm-hmm. know, cause to me, climbing is a lot of things, but it's not about like crag competitiveship. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be competitive. Hell yeah. Like go get in a comp. Yeah. You know, and it's cool to be competitive with your buddy. But like, you know, when you start bragging to me, that's a rookie mistake. Mm-hmm. That's me. Okay. So I got, that's one. one Don't brag. I've, I've, you know, there's the other stage is like the, you're an okay climber, but inexperienced. Those are, that's where you get that. Like the true noob is, is he's not interested in trying to like front, but, uh, but there's a step up that actually is a way and that. And I'll say this to Chris, like as a newbie, you're way less of a pain in the ass than, than that guy. That's true. The, the, the Mm -hmm. sort of pretty good climber, but like yeah. the five eleven plus for his first work on his first twelve A and it was like yeah. really just yeah. Sport climbing mm-hmm. wise anyway. What's yours? <laughs> well, one of them is and this is just so judgy. It is judgy. P A S thong. <laughs> it's so <laughs> sexy though. Here. It's so it's so hot. back here again. She, she had to bring it up. <laughs> it's like the P A S thong, it's like <laughs> 
you know, it just draws attention right to that zone. And I personally just don't. There's already enough leg spread going on. I don't need to then see the thing, the thong flossing. And I know about the video of Tommy with it on El Cap. <laughs> so don't send me that again, people. No, not you. I'm just saying every time we talk oh, about this. I might have like, been one of the people. Tommy Caldwell has it between his legs. Yeah, song. I know. Yeah. Um, the second one is the chalk bag on the carabiner. Yeah. And the worst yeah. part about that is when the carabiner is not a climbing carabiner, it says this is not intended for climbing right. use right. on it. And I'm like, at least get something useful. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, at least let's take something useful up the route, not right. a carabiner that can't be used except for like a chihuahua right. on a leash. Yeah, that's a pretty... Yeah. I mean, again, like, is it unsafe? No. No. It but that's definitely like a badge. It's a new. You're just like, that's okay, new this territory. is what we're dealing with. That, yeah. So. Um, the third one, and this is going to lead us into a tiny bit of diversity, although it could, this could just be the discussion and it, is guy assuming that the guy I'm with led the pitch. Ooh, that's annoying. So when I'm with my husband who's got a 12 pack ab let's face it he's got a 12 pack dude it's That's rock solid props to lance yeah and so it's like i'm standing there we've just finished a pitch and some noob climber person usually a guy comes up and goes hey what'd you think of that pitch to lance mm. And he's like, oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah, what'd you think? Was it hard? How'd you like it? And Lance will be like, she let it. And they'll look at me like I'm a three-headed alien. And all I want to do at that moment is take my shirt off and be like, look at these guns, dude. Just look. She's got her guns out now. I mean, so, I just find right. that to be really annoying. Right. And I find it to be a newbie climber thing, mm. not so much an experienced climber thing. Like I find experienced climbers are definitely like, wouldn't, would not make that assumption, but newbie climbers sometimes. I think do. every, every woman that I know that is a competent rock climber has that exact story about climbing it's with true. the dude and like the dude getting the, um, no, no, but no. yeah, I mean, even Katie Brown said that on, on uh, the episode. Yeah. Remember? That's She's crazy. like, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I, I have one thing that like, I'm Katie Brown. What's up? Yeah, like. exactly. Like, or, and actually some of the most competent climbers I know, right. female or male, aren't necessarily jacked. Right. Like they don't necessarily have big muscles. They actually probably are better climbers because they don't have big muscles. You know who was not jacked? And over grip. Was Caden Kennedy. No. He was not, not at jacked at all. No. I could actually <laughs> sit here and name yeah. people. I don't, you might have to edit it out. Right. No. Like, Andrew Bisharat. Yeah. He's not jacked, but the guy can send. Yeah. You yep. know? I mean. Yep. What about music at the crag? Oh, that's on oh. here. Okay, uh, so. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Let me, let me just give a shout out to you. I know. Uh, Gary in Florida Gary? has the simple question. Boom boxes at the crag? Question mark. Uh, Gary from Florida. Yeah. Well, I'm going to come down hard. I'm going to come down not quite a super hard no, but I'm going to come down a fairly like hard cessed yeah hard no actually yeah i'm yeah. just gonna go i'm gonna go for do it, it. Do hard it. no 
I, maybe it's generational thing. Like Chris, you're old like me, kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah. And like older. And probably. so I, I feel like when we grew, when we grew up there, like it wasn't a thing to like, you know, do the like the party deal at the base of the route, base of the crag. Mm. And I got used to a certain type of ethic. And so maybe I'm stuck in that era. But when I go to a crag, and I I hear like four boom boxes. And all that stuff and, and just music. And it's not boom boxes. It's like, you know, like Bluetooth and iPhones and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want to hear your music right now. You know, mm. like I feel like that's a little bit projecty, like projecting your stuff mm. onto somebody. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go nay on that one. So that to me, that's a newbie. That's a newbie thing. It's definitely more of a newbie thing, mm. although less and less. But I think part of it, you know, when you talk about this generational thing is technology. Mm -hmm. It simply comes down to that because, you know, if you want to talk about actual boom boxes, because that's what Gary said, like you and I grew up when you had, if you wanted to listen to portable music, Mm -hmm. you had this massive thing with like six D batteries. Yeah. You had like a hundred dollars worth of D batteries. Dude, it was John Cusack playing (laughs) fucking whatever the Genesis So there was this like this problem, but like the mini Bluetooth or just the phone or whatever is, is, is what has allowed this. And there's companies, you know, selling it as outdoor gear is another problem. Mm, Yeah. True. Um, That's true. Yeah. So I'm a hard no on it as well. I'm saying no. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Consensus. Yeah, well, we're of a certain generation, but what about the person who would who's going to throw the uh, throw down the uh, the kindergarten playground rules card of "I was here first? So, what if you rock up to a cliff and they've got their their tunes going? I'm going to let them play. Well, I mean, right? I'm not going to say anything. No, I mean, I want to say something inside. I'm dying. It is soul crushing. Right, but. Outside, I'm going to be like, oh, nice tunes. Yeah. And I'm just going to go about my business. Yeah. And I would say like, I I would probably judge a situation on like, if they were being super loud and douchey, you know, Mm. and like, and they're playing music, I'd be like, hey guys, like, do you mind just to Mm. turn it down a bit? But if they were there, they were just like really chill and I, and I thought they'd like take the comment well. Mm-hmm. I bet like, you guys mind like turn that down a little bit. I'm just trying to focus. I'll probably, I might say something. Well, it literally, and I've seen this happen in the godforsaken Ure Ice Park. <laughs> Godforsaken. I like But it's it the, the music, you know, if it's like, you know, you've got a little like trance going and it's kind of quiet <laughs> and it's over in your zone. But if people are playing it loud enough, I mean, yeah. we talked about communication. All of a sudden, that, like, safety. Yeah. and that was the thing in the ice park is this dude was literally jamming Slipknot oh. as loud as he possibly Whoa. could. So and good. like, you know, in that whole thing where you, you're, you know how they, you, you top belay everybody like, yeah. and you lower them down. Yeah. And then you have to talk and there's like. Hundreds of people yelling <laughs> shit at each other, and this dude's got, oh, it was so bad. And then like, Slipknot's playing. Yeah, and mm. uh, it was just like not the time. I mean, during the festival, <laughs> like. Weird. But there's a trend, and I'll just add what there's a trend for this, Chris. Like you said, like they're selling mm-hmm. this as outdoor um, sports equipment. Right. Yeah, like you're starting to see more like you see more like hammocks and more gadgets and more like REI commercial stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. can we go back to the? I'm gonna be crusty here, but like, I don't know. You know, I'm a little re- skeptical. I yeah. didn't really get my thing in with the newbie thing. Oh, um, you gotta do I'm going to go back to Chris at Washington. Rain Throw the hammock in the garbage. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> I mean, we live on the Western Slope. There's not a lot of like trees to get your hammock on. Thank God. But the hammocks, you're a rock climber. You can sit on a rock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Can so, I actually? Can there's, you will never see like a really excellent proficient climber, climber in, in a, a fucking hammock. hammock. No, you will not. <laughs> and I just, I have to add one more thing to this now that we're on this trajectory, but it has to be said. There is no need to be climbing in Rifle Mountain Park with your cordelette on your harness hanging down to your knee. So awesome. And your like ATC guide with both carabiners clipped to it and your like twirly triple length <laughs> runner. There's no need. Take it off. Oh, here's a fun one. Oh, maybe you could. I'm, I'm, it's really for me, but you Ooh. perhaps can contribute. And this is from Sally. Ooh. And actually, I'm going to say her last name, Sally Mosier. Do you guys know that name? Like Charlay Mosier? No. Climbing equipment. But anyway, a, 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 a bit of a, a bit of a Boulder legend uh, <clears throat> for women climbers. So anyway, Sally but Mosier. this is from Sally. Uh, if the Norma Cast was the subject of an episode of Black Mirror. Oh, what would the psychological technological twist be? I Do you know have, Black Mirror? So good. Oh, I love okay. this. Isn't fun. I don't have a TV. Well, I, I, I'll just answer. I, I came up with this. Is that <laughs> you answer? It's that Alex Honnold and myself. We kind of do a Freaky Friday. You remember Freaky Friday? Yes, I do know. Okay, that. so we do a Freaky Friday where we change bodies. Okay, so Alex is in my body and I'm in Alex's body. But the scary weird part of it is it's not, I don't get his attitude and so, and I don't get control of his body. And so what happens is, is he goes and he fucking free souls El Cap, but I'm in there freaking out the entire time. (laughs) That's amazing. Actually, just like every, like on the boulder problem. I'm just like, no, that's too small. Don't grab that. one. (laughs) And just like basically like mentally shitting my pants the entire time. So, and I don't know what Alex's experience in my body is like, but pretty boring. I think. He, he just calls people weenies He's, on a normal cast. He's like, you suck, you know? Yeah. What are you scared for? So that's my Black Mirror episode. It's a great show. Is is it not? It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, so good. And you got if you he's like, TV. he's like, man, this guy is really cynical. Exactly. Fuck. He's like, I got to get out of here. He's, he's like, I'm starting to hate climbing. <laughs> starting to hate everyone everything. and everything. Uh, people don't really know that about me. <laughs> I keep it hidden. We don't know what we're talking about. Um, okay. This is this is kind of pertinent. Oh, mm. uh, this is from Jonathan in Virginia. Oh, I believe in Charlottesville of mm. all places. Very. Yeah sort of nexus of a lot that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. What is your preferred way of dealing with climbers who can't take care of the crags and threaten access? Roadside crag at the red just got shut down again due to people not mm. following the rules. I think dogs is a big problem with that oh, yeah. one. That's the one that's on private land that's just been by the grace of the owners. Huh. As climbing increases in popularity and so much climbing is on private land, what's the best way to deal with shitty people ruining it for everyone? Huh. Call them out. Shame them upon the Instagram. Mm. Shame upon thee. <laughs> sweaty approach, sock filled with hexes. Did you just say sweaty? Sweaty balls. Sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you Sorry. guys remember the ball? The yes. ball I, one? I know that reference. The oldest. Um, hi. Uh, yeah. Hi. Um, this is. My name is. Claire, I would like to talk to you about sweaty balls. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> mm, they're salty. 
could never do that show today. Just ever. <laughs> uh, how do they we couldn't not do that break. now. Oh, like, how did they not break in that one? Like and laugh. Dude, it's ridiculous. Hilarious. Okay, so anyway, uh, sweaty balls. So w- what about that? I brought yep. this up because I because it it does refer to the quote unquote cancel culture, and mm. um, yeah, and I there was a time when in my life where I was fiery enough to you know to go that approach and to be like I'm going to publicly shame thee on, on you the did. mountain project you did. or the or the, but I just like. Either I matured or mellowed out or I don't have time, but like, I just, mm. I get it. Like it's, it's horrible. And these people, you know, don't listen to reason and, and, and they're kind of unapproachable. But, uh, I mean, I, I just think you, you kind of just have to grin and bear it and do your best with access and cleaning up. And, mm-hmm. but, but that's just my opinion. I, I don't, I don't know if we, if it's like worth the, mm. the, I guess like the bad feelings you get from like being that person that's a, on the attack mm-hmm. on on the social media and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But what about I mean are you are you guys the types that are willing to confront people that are acting like dickheads at the cliff in terms of you know access or littering or having their dogs off leash or any of those sorts of things? Uh, yeah, I'm so like, you know, for me I guess I would take a scaffold approach, you know, and like so I would make sure that like the right person was approaching them, you know? So if you're going to do it, make sure it's not Joe Schmo, but maybe the guy who helped develop that cliff so they have credibility. Because I imagine this character you're talking about, which we all know, is mm-hmm. not going to take that criticism constructively. You know, we all know that type, right? right? They got but they just think the crags are and they're just like, F you, that mentality. So I would definitely start with like a back channel. Mm-hmm. And I've had to do this for sure in my career. Like definitely because areas got to be protected, man. And if mm-hmm. like one person is threatening access, no way. I'm not, I'm not going to let that because then we yeah. all suffer. So for me, yeah, I think you have to speak out. You have a duty to all your fellow climbers to just be like cool headed and be like, hey, man, like this is a situation we're in with access and like this stuff's not helping. And I think you'd be cool about it. You back channel. And then if you got to go nuclear with like the call out, then you got to go nuclear, you know, I, I don't know. I, but I, I think they've put you in that position. If you have to do that, if, if you're calling them out, then it's just like, that's the last option you got. But I think that to me, that type of selfishness really would tick me off because access is hard, man, especially in the mm-hmm. red areas mm-hmm. on private property. Mm-hmm. Like, like we're lucky to climb there. And if we don't know that as climbers, mm-hmm. then like some like we're not getting something across mm-hmm. to that individual so that's- yeah and it's uh, it's a experience that's not real common here actually it's not yeah we're you know it's, it's like not. public lands most of the climbing that i do is on some version of public lands mm-hmm. uh because we're in the you know the west and there's just empty tracks of blm land and forest service land and things mm-hmm. so i mean i can't think of a private crag in colorado can you no yeah i mean i think Actually, it's kind of weird, but you know the root crystal vision? Yeah. The, the ice climb? Yeah. Oh. Yes. Part of the, that's on my land. Mm. Oh, so, nice. Lance and Shut I. Shut it down. I know. Right. Lance and I have thought about this. Like, you know, what if people like the, the way that the approach is described in the book, it totally takes you on another person's private right. property and not ours. So we're cool. But the most direct way to get to the route would be to go up our property. 
And Lance is like, we should open it. We should let people cross our property. And I'm like, do you really want a bunch of people? But then I'm like, there's not a bunch of people because it's not like the red where there's a yeah. bunch of people. It's not the most popular ice route. Either. No, yeah. it's actually an unpopular ice route. So it's a, it's something that I've thought about. And I think, I mean, I haven't dealt a lot with crossing private property to get to somebody's to get to a climb and therefore, you know, pissing off somebody. But I do think that if I saw someone do it, I would likely say something, but just knowing already that the reaction of that person may not be favorable. And sometimes I don't say something knowing that the reaction is probably not going to be like, Oh, Hey, thanks. It might be like, fuck you. (laughs) That's why you got to have the 12 pack ab guy do it. I know, but (laughs) the problem, and and I could actually, I should throw, cause he's really diplomatic. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. He's He's a bartender. He's a bartender. He's got to be diplomatic. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. But I do think that it's important to say something and then just know that the person is likely or could possibly not react well. One of the stages in the scaffold, as you said. Oh, yeah, the scaffold. I have I mean, that written down. Can be, I think, can, you know, in terms of calling people out on the internet, is I think is like a general call out. You know, and mm-hmm. not because if you uh, start to get really specific with names and stuff, with names yeah, and or it could, like, it could you know, problems. things like that. It, it's so like, yeah, I think and even this like is a general call out about bad behavior in the red. Like, like, let's 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 all do this yeah. thing that will benefit us as opposed to like, hey, Joe, you suck. Right. <laughs> exactly. so, I mean, it's a tough one. And the internet is a rough place. And, you know, again, like the canceling of people and of, uh, is like kind of hard to swallow a little bit. So I'm, I'm the, the de- years and the days and the months go by. It's like, I'm, I'm just like, man, we can't just attack each other, you know, because the yeah. other thing is it's this, a not, you know, it's this game of like, one of the reasons I asked you if you would say something yeah. is because the problem I think is just that, is that you're there and the person's doing this and instead of saying something, you scurry home and, and post something. Mm. And that's where I start to get into this like, man, that's not like... That's kind of cow- that's cowardly. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. So. I think, I think the, test, the test case for this too, Chris, is um, like 10 sleep. And I think the, the big lesson with um, the, the controversy up at 10 sleep was... Like deal with your dirty laundry inside your house first, because if you think that like going straight to the far service or some type of institutional authority is going to mediate your intra climber conflict, you you better you better check yourself because in that scenario, oftentimes like the far service will just come down with these draconian rules. Totally. And, and so, you know, long story the short is... The takes the ball away. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. keep the ball inside the climbers. Be as civil as possible. Let the Forest Service, whoever it is BLM, know that we can, like, handle our stuff and that we're good stewards of that of mm-hmm. that area, you know? And so going straight out, even to call out, even call out generally online can can um, bring the attention of, of like, you know, whoever it is. Oh, the they watch. Service. Totally, yeah. They yeah. see it all go down. So you got to yeah. deal with it smart first, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> you bring your mic up a little bit. Oh. oh God! Can someone talk to me? I don't know about some of these issues. Like, what is going on intensely? 
padlocks on some roots and stuff. I have been not. You're just, you're a beautiful flower. Don't ruin yourself by getting involved in all these these things. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you're just like a. You're you're like this. You're like one of the like one of those tribes they find in the in the <laughs> fucking Amazon. Tribe. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't yeah, don't ruin Here's the it. Thing. I, it's like four and a half <laughs> months. Get... I took myself off Instagram. <laughs> like I don't look at the internet. No, that's at what all. I mean. You're like and this then on top of beautiful... it, I haven't had a TV in 25 years. You're like, smarter than us. I haven't watched one. I you're haven't just this flower that's like beautiful blooming in its sun, and we're all like oh, in the dark. I mean, honestly, yeah. Like don't still let it. Well, I kind of want to. I kind of want to. We'll talk about it. Okay, so ten sleep access issue, and then what was the other thing you guys talked about? Oh, Red River Gorge. Anyway, uh, so let's get a little deep here because we've we've been drinking, and so I think we've got the. We've just been playing the kitty. I've had more beer, by the way. I'm on three. So why? Person is waiting for you. Hey, you remember your ego with climbing? (laughs) (laughs) Damn it! Remember that one? He's gonna bring that up again. All right, Uh, you're right. I got to catch up. Anyway, all right. So why? This comes from Fern, and I want to say, Tiance, Tiance. So you'll know who you are. I hope by that pronunciation. Anyway, these these folks listen and. uh, they want to ask, they said, why after someone dies climbing, Ooh. and this actually kind of goes back to your accident report thing, why after someone dies climbing, everything is broken down immediately to find out what went wrong, when it could be possible to remember them as a human being first? How can we make changes in the community so people are more sensitive to death and grief? Mm. My uh, defense of the breakdown is that A, you know, we've all, we're all, we're faced with death all the time in media. I mean, shit right now, uh, it's overwhelming, but you know, it's, it's impossible to sort of ask me to have like deep, sensitive feelings that sort of overwhelm me about every person that has, has either had a horrible accident or, or died climbing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is an initial feeling of, of grief over, you know, mostly about like, well, their parents and their friends and the people that love them. But it's, you know, I don't necessarily always muster that like deep internal feeling Mm -hmm. unless I knew that person. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that that's a little bit of a part of it. And I think understanding like what went wrong is, is sort of inherent in what we do Mm -hmm. in a sense, because we're dealing with systems all the time. Mm -hmm. But I do also agree with them that it can be a little bit quick but I think, I mean, I think we're better than the the ski community, the skiing, the backcountry skiing community, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a lot of ways. And I dealt with that with Hayden because that was partially, you know, that was a backcountry skiing accident. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that that's my only thing to, to sort of like couch that in is is mm-hmm. like, you know, if if you're so sensitive that every death you hear about like really hits you inside, you're gonna you're you're not gonna survive long in this world, mm-hmm. you know. So, Mm -hmm. but in terms of like uh, a a way of approaching it, you guys deal with this at Rock and Ice all the time. I mean, you do the climbers we lost, uh, which Mm -hmm. I've unfortunately been a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, what's your thoughts on like approaching like accidents and whatnot and how to write about them, how to talk about them in in climbing? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's something like we talk about all the time and it's something that 
um, happens year round, you know, and it comes in waves, you know, when the alpine opens up, alpine climbers tend to tend to die and, you know, and it, there's, so we're used to the cycle now and, um, you know, climbing community small and we have so many friends or at least friends of friends or dozens. And you guys too, I know no climbers that have just not made it. And it's really sad. And, and so, okay. So I would break this question up into two parts. So the first thing I would say is that there's accidents and there's obits. An obit that Rock and Ice publishes tends to really focus on the memory, you know, of that person, who they were in that community. And for those, we almost always try to get a friend. We reach out to a climbing partner immediately. Like when, when Brad Gobright, we had Cedar Wright, right? Mm-hmm. And I reach out to Cedar. like, hey, Cedar, like you knew Brad. You knew, you knew what it's like to be on the sharp end with him. You knew how he climbed. Can you write this? And that's a memory piece. Really wasn't even concerned with how Brad di- died, you know? Um, but you know, when someone does die and there's an obit, it will say a little bit how it happens. And I think there's a, a couple reasons for that. One reason is that I think our culture just really likes analysis. You watch football, NFL, the first thing you're going to see is people analyzing plays. And I think people want to know what's the back end, what's the story, like mm-hmm. what's at work here. Mm-hmm. And when that obit or that accident turns into an accident report and I decide to write on it, I take into account a couple factors. One of the factors is that it offers a new bit of information for a climber that can benefit from that knowledge, right? And so accidents are always the exception most of the time. You know, like we talked about, people tend to make mistakes, lapse of attention. And I think the readers really can learn a lot from what went wrong in an accident report, which is different than an obit. But accident report really says like, you know, I really spend a lot of time writing accident report because I have to oftentimes do like investigative work. I'm leering with like detectives. I'm looking at police reports. I'm talking to, I, I'll talk to eyewitnesses that, you know, and I'm like, okay, was, was the sling, did it have a water knot? Did it not have a water knot? Were there locking beaners? They're not locking, you know, and I have to try to piece together what happened and where a mistake was made. And readers, you know, especially in our reader surveys, they say that that's one of the highest rated things I look forward to. So for me, it's a, it's a, it's a public service to be able to look at accidents and look how people, um, they're not always deaths, by the way, not, not, not by any means, right. but it's, it's important, I think, for people to know mm-hmm. how accidents happened and in, to help other climbers coming into the game, not make those mistakes. So that's how yeah. I'd look at it. I mean, I think that you're, you know, talking to these folks who, who asked the question, it's like your level of sensitivity around the particular incident can guide you. And mm-hmm. what you just said, it's like, you know, there's, ways in which you choose the media that you want to read. And so it's like if, if, if it's something that's that's painful for you or, or you have a closeness to it, even if it's, you know, sounds like an oxymoron, but like a remote closeness, you mm-hmm. know, and I think of Hayden Kennedy again as, as part of that, like so many people uh, felt moved by that mm-hmm. that had never met him. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard from from so many of them. So, I mean, I think you can choose your your how you consume it. And that look for that, like look for the obituary yeah. and to, to, to learn about that person's life. And then, you know, months later, if you want to find out the other parts, you can find them out. Mm-hmm. It's not like you immediately need to, to read the analysis or anything else. So, I mean, that would be, I guess, my advice because it's good advice, both yeah. things have value. Yeah. And maybe it seems a rush, uh, to print the, the, uh, the, the sort of analysis, mm-hmm. but in, you know, for, for some people that could be a condolence, mm-hmm. you know, to, to understand what happened is 
a big part of like dealing with grief. Oh yeah. And so mm-hmm. true. You know, for you it's not, but for another group of people yeah. that are dealing with it could be a condolence of of putting those things in order. I mean, I know it was you know, yeah. for HK. So, to, cause I just, mm-hmm. I was confused and I didn't understand what had happened. And there was all this misinformation, you know, we knew he was gone, but we didn't know why or how, mm-hmm. and we knew Enga was gone and we didn't know why or how. And, and until those things kind of went into place, I was super agitated. Mm-hmm. I was more angry than sad, you mm-hmm. know? So, so I think there's a place for both of them mm-hmm. to answer their question. What were we going to say, Mary? I just think that number one, even family members want to know what's going on. I mean, I know from two personal experiences, one being that one of my best, two of my best friends, but her husband died, is a guide, was a guide and died in a climbing accident in the Tetons. And I was actually interviewed for Rock and Ice um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago for this particular accident. I know that accident. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, his wife was wanting answers. She wanted to know what happened. She wanted to know what failed. You know, she is also a climber and wanted to know what happened that day. And so for her, the, the investigation and even the publishing of things was welcome because she wanted to know what what to make of it and what to think of it. So I think that for one thing, family members, close friends want to know what's going on and want to know what happened. And it does help people put closure and kind of put to rest what they think happened as opposed to, you know, what actually happened versus what think what you think happened can be different things. And so she wanted to know what actually happened so she was welcoming like that investigation. And um, the second thing too, is that with this type of thing that we're talking about, I mean, I have to give props to Madeline Sorkin for initiating and starting the Climbing Grief Fund. And I think that albeit it is something that could feel localized to the United States, I think that it could be very far reaching. And its connection with the American Alpine Club could certainly be further reaching to international um, venues. And so one of the things um, that I really admire about Madeline is that she has taken this very difficult subject of how to deal with grief and how to deal with um, the questions that we have around somebody either passing because of a climbing accident or getting injured during a climbing accident or even passing and they were a climber, but it wasn't due to climbing that they passed on. And I think that she's addressing this in a really um, deep and emotional way. I think it's... um, it's actually quite difficult for me to come up with the words that would describe the the credibility that I think that she is allowing people, I don't know if credibility is the right word, but she's just like allowing that space for somebody or people to deal with their grief. And it's kind of a dark 
subject. So I mean, dark. it's oh, yeah. we are definitely further deep than the kiddie pool at this point. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, so I really just have to give props to her because I worked with her on a climbing project to commence the climbing grief fund. And, and I do feel that what she has, you know, at least single-handedly started, albeit she is very good at, um, gathering up energy and gathering up like people to help her with it has been incredible. I mean, it's not, I'll, I'll say it's not quite single-handedly because I want to shout out to Henna. Her, oh, her partner, partner, I believe. I mean, they're I think married. they're married. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're so, um, Hannah Taylor and I think her sister Summer. I want to say They've her sister all been, Summer. There's yeah, been a so, lot of people right. involved, and a lot of people in the American Alpine Club have been yep, involved sure. in. Um, making she's been this like happen. the climbing face of it. Yeah, you know, Madeline. She's has, been the yeah. climbing face of it for sure. But you know, it was one of those things where it was like, "Hey, I have this idea, and I don't know how to go about right. it," and um. It's a it's been a really cool idea that she's rallied the masses to help her gather um energy for mm-hmm. and I just I'm like really psyched on that. So I think that's one way that the climbing community has responded right. to this. I also think that like Rock and Ice and other climbing publications have responded really positively by providing mm-hmm. a platform for both people involved as well as the backstory behind it to get told. So, you know, I think there's some really positive things happening around it, despite it being something that's very difficult to deal with. I'm going to piggyback another one on this. Uh, as long as we're, we're in here in the soup, um, <laughs> yep. uh, Fabio from Zurich. Fabio. Yep. I like, um, I like him already. I do too. He says, uh, we all know about the tragic accident of David Lama, Hans mm-hmm. Auer, and John, or Jess Ruskelly. I'm from Austria, nearby where David was coming from. And although I didn't know him, or I was really hit by the news. Um, I expressed this to a friend of mine in the U.S. who was actually quite close to Jess, which I didn't know that at the time. So there I was, somehow shaken, but not objective standards really affected by this tragedy. Speaking to somebody who was actually immediately affected. That somehow put me in this place and I felt that I might not have the right to feel that much troubled. Originally, I was thinking about going to the official memorial, but then I felt I shouldn't be there because I didn't know him personally and therefore I didn't belong there. So I didn't go. Mm -hmm. When I saw the memorial movie now, his family said that it gave them solace. That so many people were there and actually didn't know David. So now I regret that I didn't go. What are your guys' take on that topic? And I brought this in because it has to do with Madeline and it mm. has to do with Hannah and, and mm-hmm. what they're doing. And all I have to say is go. <laughs> go. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, if it's an open memorial, if it's, yeah. if it's not a private thing, mm-hmm. that's what they want. Mm-hmm. And that does uh, bring, you know, it, when, and I don't care if it's climbing or just, you know, it's like Steph's father died a couple years ago mm-hmm. and it's like, just the fact that so many people show up, mm-hmm. the more people show up, the more it shows like the influence that this person had on the world. And I think it's just mm-hmm. all good. And I think that if you're sort of backing away from even expressing, uh, uh, you know, condolences because you mm-hmm. feel it's not your place, I just think it's wrong. Like nobody's going to say you didn't know him like 
don't tell me you're sorry about, I mean, it's just mm. like the outpouring is the outpouring and that's what you hear. It's mm-hmm. like the outpouring of love. And so it's like, I think that, you know, if you have a chance, then you express it. Even if it's a small message, I mean, don't go overboard, you know, don't, don't, yeah. you know, claim a connection that you sort of didn't have, but mm-hmm. a, a thoughtful expression and or attending a, a, an open memorial is like all good. It's good for you. It's good for the family, mm-hmm. you know? So that that's kind of why I want to piggyback on it. I don't know if, if you guys Yeah, you go. Yeah. You go, you know? And like, and so climb, I mean, climbing's a strange sport where a lot of times our parents don't even know what we do. Mm-hmm. And like, right. and, and I remember when we were, when I worked with Cedar on the Brad Gobright um, um, piece and just, you know, when we worked with writing about Brad's, Brad's death, you know, I remember something to the effect that his mom wrote, like, I had no idea Brad was such a celebrity, you know, and so it was like, yeah, it was after he passed when like thousands of climbers were like, holy shit, Brad's the man. Like, he's my hero. I looked up to him. He's a badass, like crucial to my story. His mom, I, I, I'm not discrediting his mom. I'm obviously just, just saying it was th- this outpouring was precisely right. really important. I think climbing yeah. is a sport like that where a lot of times our parents don't know what we're doing. And when they all of a sudden realize that, you know, there's this whole community that really loves us and, and is like got our back. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. So, Chris, I'm with you full on. Yeah. I, <laughs> it, this is an interesting topic for me because I have actually thought about exactly what you're saying, Chris, where I'm like, I haven't actually had a stance on this and I've kind of waffled on this. Like I have kind of been like, Oh, I don't belong. Mm. I didn't know the person. I don't want to show disrespect by not show by showing up. And the other thing I think in climbing that can be kind of an interesting thing is that, um, I don't want to show disrespect by showing up and, the people that really knew the person are like, who's that? I'm being totally raw here. Like I completely and utterly have had this thought of like, I don't belong here because I wasn't really close to this person. And now conversely, friends of mine were getting married on the same date as somebody's memorial was. Mm. And I didn't go to either thing because I was like, I'm super close to both these people. I right. can't go to the memorial and then the people getting married are going to be like, why didn't she come to our wedding? She wanted to go to a memorial. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it was kind of a weird thing, but I have fully thought about all these things where I'm like, I don't belong. Well, I've, I've thought about the bandwagon thing too, you know, like that's what it is. Everybody getting I don't want to jump on a bandwagon. Yeah, But I just, I still, I mean, I kind of had those thoughts in the past and you know, not to keep bringing up Hayden, but we all have a connection right. to Hayden. Right. Um, you know, that's when I realized at his memorial and and the emails that I got mm-hmm. that I was like, ah, fuck it. This is yeah. If you're sad, then I'm not questioning right that you didn't hang out with him in rifle right. or whatever. You heard him on the Enormous cast. Yeah. You know, or whatever. It's like He touched a lot of lives. Yeah, and it's still valid. You're mm-hmm. sad. You get to be sad. I don't get to like yeah. choose that you're not being sad or your sadness is not valid, you know? Right. And so that's kind of it. And, you know, to speak to what you said about this thing of like people looking and saying, who is that? It's like, I didn't know half or right. more of the people at, at that memorial because there were people from his life before climbing mm-hmm. and I only knew him during climbing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, all these 
people grew up with them. They were childhood friends. They were parents who babysitted them. Mm-hmm. There, you know, so it's like I don't. I I think that's like a projection of like an insecurity. That, yeah. Because I mean, I wasn't doing that to like the you know 50 year old lady like oh what is she She doesn't even climb what is she doing here you right know? like you no know, it's because she was his babysitter you know or well, whatever i know? mean i am a little bit right. insecure about showing i'm like i'm kind of insecure right. about showing up to an event where um you know a person meant so much to somebody else and they really knew this person right. so intimately and then i don't know them that intimately and so it it is kind of a i don't know if being self-conscious is like right. a selfish thing at that moment but it certainly is one of those things where i'm well, like i don't want to yeah. be that person that shows up and i'm like oh yeah you know i'm really sad but at the same time i'm like am i just jumping on a bandwagon yeah, but where does it fall off do you know what i mean like yeah who gets to be there like because you'd have to be like your mom like yeah. the mom is at the top and so the next people down aren't as intimate as her and the yeah. next people down, you know, and it's like your babysitter was there. Are you, you know, it's, so that's what I mean. Like you can't like, you can't put your, your level on the echelon. Right. Like, it, it's a, fu- it's a funny yeah. problem too. Cause if like, you know, if LeBron James or Michael Jordan or John Elway dies, like thou- tens of thousands of people are going to sure. show up and no one's going to question that. Right. And I think climbing's like, has these growing pains where we, there's celebrities, a weird thing, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, Hayden inspired a lot of people. He's a mm-hmm. badass climber, bold climber, multidisciplinary climber, you know? And a lot of people probably like had this more, more remote connection to him. And, but it was a connection, mm-hmm. you know? It was a connection. Mm-hmm. And well, I think and, and, I'm with you, know. you, Chris. I think they had every right to be there. Like, who's to judge whether they had a real connection or not and what, what that connection was? That's painful. Like, if, if you're insecure, like maybe stand at the back during the church or whatever service and then don't go to the house or, you know what I'm saying? Or like mm-hmm. there's yeah, a couple gradations there. Well, and again, like if they wanted a private thing, they would have made a private, right? True. And, you know, and like, I think of, you know, all these guys, David Lama, our uh, Hans Org and, and Jess, you yeah. know, but I've always really like connected Hans Org, our, who was on the show mm-hmm. um, with Hayden because mm-hmm. they were friends mm-hmm. and he's, I don't know, they, they really reminded me of each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, all these guys inspired a lot of people, but you know, the connection a lot of people had with Hansorg was the same, uh, as they had with Hayden, just this like wild man of the mountains, you know? Mm-hmm. And if it inspired you and, and you felt terrible, then this dude should have gone, you know? And I, you know, it's like, hopefully, you know, there isn't another opportunity to have to make this decision. Fabio, right. you aren't put in this position again, but if you are, I would just go. encourage you to go. Yeah. Yep. Amen there. So we're going to finish up here and take it a little lighter back up, uh, the the arc. And for those of you who don't have children or are not planning on having children, this is, you can stop now. You can stop listening to the Enormal Cast or this particular episode uh, because we're going to do a couple of questions on that. I got a lot of questions about climbing with kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got all kinds of because, things. We yeah, got answers. That's yeah. why I'm Mary, that's we why got I'm, answers. We got answers. Partially I want answers because <laughs> I you guys have kids that are much older than mine yeah. and much more involved at this point. So I'll do this one with John from uh here in Colorado, Colorado Springs. Um in your experience as a dad and a climber and talking to the Norma cast, 
Mary is a mom and a climber. What are some techniques for encouraging a love of climbing in your mm. kid? And what are some of the pitfalls, no mm. weight, crevasses to avoid? And it's funny that John would ask me this because I have no idea. Because Miles has been on a rope a little bit. He swings around. He's little. I actually jacked him all the way to the anchor <laughs> on uh, on uh, Climb a Dime a Ding Dong. Of all climbs. Well, I just happened to be over there, you know. And I wasn't ready to like lock up the, the spray-a-thon. <laughs> You know how like parents come in and lock that up and there's like all these guys that are like wanting to warm down on it or some yeah. shit and they're like, oh my God. But uh, but yes. he kept telling me to crank him higher. So I brought, I cranked him all the way to the anchors, like no, 60 feet. So. Good. But anyway, I don't know the answer to this question, John, but we have two people here who have older kids who climb a little bit. And we've so, talked about this. For so let's, let's, yeah. uh, what are the, what's, what's some encouraging and uh, what are the things to avoid with in, uh, having your kids become climbers? God, it's going to go a lot of ways, huh, Mary? Um, I start off, start us off. Me? Yeah. Sure. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I think the number one thing is to actually discourage your child from doing your sport. So all along, <laughs> I have told Sam that I don't care if he climbs. I don't care if he's a concert pianist. I don't care if he wants to skateboard. I want him to do what makes him happy. And I told him that we will have different things maybe. And my thing is climbing. And so for a little bit of time, um, and I'll just say probably he's been dabbling in the climbing gym or in climbing venues since he was like two years old. And doing the king swing on, you know, in the arsenal at rifle and things like that. But like for him to actually develop a sense of climbing and what that means for him really took until he was like probably seven years old. And then even then I was really like off hands with it. So if he wanted to do a climb, I'd be like, cool let's do a climb. And the one thing that I've always done with Sam, no matter what, is I've never been like, let's go do a kid's climb. I've always been like, Hey, what do you think of this thing that the rope is on right now? Do you want to try it? And he's been like, yeah, I want to try it or no, I don't want to try it. And that was probably my number one thing was like, I don't ever tell Sam what the rating is and therefore he's just always tried it and he's climbed up to 11 C. So, and, and I don't mean he's like skittering up it like no problem. He hangs on it. He pulls on draws, but he doesn't care because right. he's having a good time. No, um, you have to yell at him not to, to use aid. I don't ever do that. <laughs> I'm like, baby, Off route. you, you yeah. get up this thing whatever way you want. It's all climbing. Damn. And then the second thing that Come I... Come down now. <laughs> right. And then the second thing that I do with Sam, and I especially did it when he did start showing an interest in climbing, is I would actually <laughs> hang. I would lead the route. I would clip in to the anchor. And then I would hang from the anchor... And I'd get my camera out 
And I'd be like, okay, Sam, I'm ready for you. And then... Ooh, that's good beta. Yeah, it is good. Because then his um, stepdad would belay him from the bottom and say, hey, you got to tie your rope. You're not properly and your rope has to be proper and you got to check me and I got to check you. So his stepdad would be doing all the components and I'd be just waiting at the top and occasionally I'd yell down like, I'm ready for you when you're ready to climb. And Sam would climb up to me. And so he had a parent at each end. Mm. Um, And I think that that was imperative to him, not only feeling safe and comfortable with climbing, but also just feeling the emotional support that he Mm -hmm. might've needed in addition to making it kind of fun to have your mom hanging from the top of a route waiting for you. I could use that sometimes. I know. I'm like, I wish my mommy was up here right now. Like I climb, I climb too hard a roots for me with Josh Wharton a lot. Like he gets, (laughs) He like gets me involved. We all have those parts. And I would I would totally love a Josh Wharton at both ends yeah. of the pitch. That yeah. would be really encouraging. It's actually. awesome. <laughs> it would be totally awesome. So I think that those are the two things is don't actually tell your kid what a climb is rated. Don't walk to the crag with like, oh God, what kid climbs are we gonna do? Right. Just climb and tell your kid, climb it if it looks good <clears throat> and if you wanna do it. And then you know, in their commencement of starting to climb routes with you, be at the top so that when they get up there, they can hug you, they can high five you and they can have like a warm, fuzzy blanket wrapped around them. Nice. Yeah. Nice, Mary. Um, Okay. So I'll, 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 Talk on a different level. You're, you you yell. A well, lot. you've got two kids too, so <laughs> you've got a whole and, and other thing to, going to on. establish credibility. They like rock climbing with me. Yeah, you know, they my do. daughter's a little I've bit of a them. plastic puller, which is okay. I'm doing. I'm working it's through good. that. But okay, so I'm going to say two things. Here's what I th- I think this is a this is a really good question, Chris. And I appreciate you bringing this up. Um, mm-hmm. So for one, I'm going to say what I think is a categorical imperative, and um, with and I think that. If you look at like, so I know this for a fact, Adam, Adam Andra, Sharma, Yanya Gambre, if you don't know who Yanya Gambre is, she's the most successful competitive climber ever, Slovenia, um, look her up. They've all said on the record that their parents, quote, applied basically no pressure to them as young mm-hmm. athletes. Okay, mm-hmm. so climbing is getting popular. Like you have all these soccer moms, soccer mm-hmm. dads that are putting their kids into climbing on the team, which has just started up in their thing. And they think they're going to be these next, like Alex Honnold's, whatever, mm-hmm. stop it right now. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, to, in order to develop a good athlete, a lifelong athlete, in my opinion, that kid needs to be internally motivated and they will not become internally motivated if you're trying to pressure them. Mm-hmm. So like, that's the high level the, at the weeds. I remember when I grew up or I was, I was young and I was, re, I saw a picture of Tommy Caldwell climbing, I think little twin owls crack and his dad had stuffed dollar bills in the crack. Mm-hmm. And Tommy's like a you know, little guy and just like, God, I need to get that dollar, you know, and probably to buy some like nerds or something. But like his dad was on to something. And yeah. I think that a lot of parents are scared to incentivize climbing, mm-hmm. but like I will like put gummy bears up a route you know, when my kids were young because it's fun. Cause they can climb 
and they try hard and they get gummy bears and that's awesome. I like that. So that's the, that's the first one. Number two is like have a lot of discipline as a parent mm-hmm. to not yell at your kids mm-hmm. for not like trying hard enough or like getting the... I've literally seen... I'm not naming names. It's terrible. I've seen pro climbing coaches who have written books yell at their kids for not using the pocket with their left hand where they should have had... I've seen like literally at a crag yelling, don't do that. Don't do That's it. super lame. Don't do it. And then the third thing is like... Don't do it. It's like, it's so bad. It's terrible. And like, what it's about embar- shaking them? It's embarrassing. I, I, I think you can shake them and that's fine. It's embarrassing to the, I mean, it's embarrassing to whoever's yelling at them and it's embarrassing for the kid. It's embarrassing. It guarantees they won't be a climber. Yeah. They don't want to do it. It just, you'll crush them. Yeah. And then I guess the last thing is like, so my son has like learned the art of like bringing cams up when he climbs. And so he gets, he gets up there, he's got this number four hanging and he plugs in, he pulls on it and yards on it. And it's so fun for him. Mm-hmm. And so I would just say like exploit what excites them. And it's probably not getting to the top. It's probably some yeah. weird thing like hanging draws, swinging on the rope, blah, blah. If that's what gets him out to the crag, do it. Well, and your son, how old is Frankie? Yeah, Frankie's seven. So Frankie's seven. My son is going to be 10 this year, and he's discovered Alex Honnold, Tommy Caldwell, Emily Harrington. If any of you three are listening right now, my child wants a poster signed by you. <laughs> I might I'm, be able to help him out. I He is so excited. <laughs> like seriously watched free solo i'm not kidding we've watched it sixteen thousand times but that's the point is that when he was seven that was the cool thing was like just let him have fun and like explore and then when he when suddenly he got to an age where he was like no i actually kind of want to climb stuff and really work on the climbing and the gummy bears weren't the inside of him anymore that's when it was like Hey, I don't know what this is rated. You just, does it look good? Do you want to try yeah, it? He's stoked on it. Yeah. He's stoked on it. And he, if he pulls on draws, if he like whatever he has to do to get up the route, I'm like, that's great, babe. You're going up. Yeah. If he's at the crag and not crying and complaining, that's a win. Dude. That's a win. Get over it. We're it's winning. a win. It's a win. We're Trust winning. Me. If there's no crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bring and a lot of snacks. That's all I got. Yeah. Snacks, snacks is hundred thousand. <laughs> that, that's good beta for all your friends, and your wife, your husband, yeah, your boyfriend, I your mean, girlfriend. I'm sorry snacks. to say this, but I was jealous of your baby mama's snack pack yesterday mm-hmm. when we were climbing together. Oh, yeah, we live and die by snack packs. I was now. like, damn, yeah. girl, you got the snack pack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a lot of questions. Uh, on this line of thinking, and this will be sort of our last thing, is that um, about sort of the the bringing kids to the crag and this kind of, you know, they're like one level above dogs at the at the <laughs> cliff, cliff for a lot of people. And and um, it's a great comment. All these all these sorts of stories, oh. and including from one of my sponsors, Phil at Play Specs, uh, having you know, some sort of issue where people were complaining about his kid. And basically, you know, I'm just going to say unequivocally, like, get over it. Yeah. Like if you can't, if whatever you're doing is affected by there's kids playing in the background or something like that, then, you know, go take, uh, the rock warriors way and get your mental training a little bit more. <laughs> focused Dude, these are the people doing. that like you know, bitch at kids so. on airplanes that cry yeah, yeah, like so. you know like get, get over like get over it like yeah, yeah. 
you're outside. The outside is a playground for children. You know, rifle is just the most amazing place for kids. I'm sorry. It's super you cool. Know, it it and yeah, just get over it. It's too bad, you know. Yeah. And I mean, with within reason. Like parents, yeah. like yeah, you also need to like take care of your kids and like not let them scream and cry for 20 minutes at a stretch without walking them somewhere yeah. else. And you know, there there should be a middle line. But but if you just have a hard like kids don't belong at the crag. You're living in the past, sister. Yeah. I was just up at Wild Hours, Chris, yeah. and we had like a bunch of parents. Each, each, it was like the first like real big family type of climbing trip, mm-hmm. you know? We had six kids. We had strollers, man. It was, mm-hmm. it was full on. And I was so impressed with like the amount of just like courtesy we had from really? the climbers up That's there. Awesome. I was. I was, I That's didn't expect cool. it. You know, I was, you know, cause I'm always, I, I've, I haven't always been at a crag with a bunch of kids, usually my own kids, but. You know, this time people were really gracious and, you know, some of the other mothers there had young kids, they were changing diapers on the trail, this kind of stuff. But it was like, and people were courteous and I was like, right on, man. Like if this, if crags are more crowded, but this is what's happening, I'm okay with it. I think that was, I was really just impressed and, um, and just like happy to see, see that that was, people are supportive of bringing up that next generation. Yeah. Cause that's really what it's about. You know, that's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, I've had a baby attached to my boob, and then I've gone up a route. Nice. And it's yeah, like, that's awesome. it's like, if somebody's got a problem with that, you know, you put the baby on your boob then and see what that's like. I remember when I first when yep. I first had Miles, when we first had the normal baby, like he was in the Bjorn, you know, facing mm. out, yeah. and like I could have long conversations with a certain type of guy at Rifle, mm-hmm. where they would like maintain like strict eye contact with me. <laughs> we would talk climbing. Mm-hmm. We would talk like beta, whatever. And they mm-hmm. would never, ever acknowledge, look at, mention that like six inches below my head, there was a fucking baby attached <laughs> yeah, to my the chest. The center of your life. It was, was like, right it was like if they look at him, they're going to catch it. They're going to catch like the <laughs> disease you know, or whatever. It was like the strangest damn thing. I was like, Man, dude, you are really socially like inept. You can't even mention that there's like oh, yeah. this cute ass little baby on my chest. Yeah, it's and not gonna. You're not ass. gonna get it. Yeah, he's a good looking dude. You're not he's gonna get it. Not, it's not. It's not a disease you're gonna catch, bro. Like, just say, oh, look at that guy. What's his well, name? How have you dealt with that? What's been like the Chris, like the the most like obscene type of interaction you've had with when you have your kid there? Have anyone like scolded your kid? No, nothing like that. Always pretty good. Yeah, because he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't hang around long enough anyone can like get he's annoyed a, by him yeah, he's, he's like a kind of a strange kid, kid. he's no he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah a good kid. he disappear he'll run away like so no I, you just like one i mean it was more like i said questions and and sort of concerns people had but are um, were you i guess here's a question were you the kind of person before you had miles to have been scornful of those who brought kids i don't think so I mean, it's it's weird because I don't have any rec. I I don't think so because I don't have any recollection of having <laughs> thoughts about it. I forgot. I was that guy. I was the guy <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't acknowledge yeah. it. But I mean, I like I've 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 always liked kids well yeah. enough, you know, and like can interact with them and chuck rocks in the creek with them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I've never ignored them. So I I don't think so. I don't okay. recall having an incident uh, where I was like, "What the hell?" 
shut that baby well, I up. Was I'm just trying think- to send. I'm thinking yeah. about it because I was probably that person. Right. I was actually probably like, oh my God, that kid is so annoying. Yeah, but there are terrible, terrible. And then I had with a kid, my, and I'm like, oh, I'm the one with the annoying kid now. Right, and with I mean, all kids my, can like, be annoying, like, too. Yeah, right? yeah, let's, 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 kids can, can be, be freaky and annoying. They're, they yell, they cry, they right. bitch, they throw shit. You know, it's they like super annoying. They smell weird sometimes. Yeah, like, but like... <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're parents who are climbers yeah. and trying to get out. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, at least we're not on the fucking couch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just saying. <clears throat> All right, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. Again, I want to give a shout out to Fabrizio and the crew at Monkey House because we're still sitting in the Monkey House late night now. Whoop, whoop. <clears throat> and uh, it was a nice place to do it where we feel a little more airy and expansive and in maintaining a bit of distance. So um, I want to I give a shout out. And of course, if you're in town or if your locals in the RFV, the Monkey House is open for business and they would enjoy your business. And there's been some changes. You can come check them out. Uh, and thanks again. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. Your second appearance on the Normal Cast. Woohoo. Francis, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Chris. Man, delighted. It's been great. Part of the Carbondale Media uh, scene here, the conglomerate scene, the conglomerate, you know? yeah, yep, so, conglomerate. yeah, put us on the map, <laughs> rock and ice and climbing Just and uh, <clears throat> cast. So, in ascent. All right, guys, thanks for coming in, and maybe we'll do this again soon. Want a beer? You gonna call room service? We got beer. You hold beer up this rock, you're insane. I may be insane, but I'm not stupid. I didn't carry it. You did, it's in your pack.